Hello everyone, welcome to our podcast, Pediatric Research Update, presented by Lina Al-Wakil. COVID-19 and Pediatric Ingestions On March 13, 2020, the coronavirus disease 2019 outbreak had been declared a national emergency. Consequently, the abrupt shift in the school and home dynamic placed children at increased risk of harm. In early 2020, data indicated an increase in household cleaner and disinfected exposures. A cohort study was made to compare a national trend in pediatric ingestion during the pandemic to a similar pre-pandemic period. All closed cases of ingestion involving children aged 19 years old and younger reported to U.S. Poison Control Center from March 13 to December 31, 2020, the pandemic were compared with an identical period from 2017 to 2019, pre-pandemic. Clinically, significant outcome were defined as a moderate or major effect or death. The significant level was set to a less than 0.05. Result, pediatric ingestion called poison control center decreased during the pandemic. However, there was significant increase in intentional hand sensitizer and melatonin ingestion and those with clinically significant outcomes. Further studies are required to determine the long-term impact of the pandemic on pediatric ingestion to institute appropriate preventive measure and resource allocation. Epidemiology, clinical features, and outcome of coronavirus disease among children in Al Madina, Saudi Arabia, a retrospective study. It is a study aimed to describe COVID-19 among children in Al Madina, Saudi Arabia. The method, this retrospective observational study included children less than 14 years old hospitalized with COVID-19 between May 1, 2020 and July 31, 2020. Result, overall, 106 patients met the inclusion criteria. Their age ranged from 2 weeks to 13 years. Bronchial asthma was the most common comorbidity. Among 99 symptomatic patients, fever was the most common symptoms. Most COVID-19 cases were mild, one patient was in critical condition, and one patient met the multisystemic inflammatory syndrome in children criteria. The main number of symptoms and signs in children with severe or critical COVID-19 was significantly higher than that in children with mild disease or non-severe pneumonia. One patient died owing to COVID-19. Conclusions COVID-19 mortality in children is rare. However, while most children exhibit mild disease with favorable outcome, children with a chronic lung disease may be at higher risk for severe disease. Incidence and predictors of bacterial infection in febrile children with sickle cell disease. The study is designed to evaluate the CRP, ANC, WBCs, and platelet count level are as a predictor for bacterial infection in febrile children with sickle cell anemia over a six years period in tertiary center in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. The method, it was retrospective record review that included all sickle cell disease patients uh, below the age of 18 years old uh, who presented with a febrile episode at any hospital department from 2017 to 2019. Result, the study included 62 patients diagnosed with sickle cell disease who presented with 89 febrile episodes. There was no statistically significant difference in the median of CRP and ANC between the bacteria and non-bacterial febrile episodes. However, 
The level of WBC was more than 20,000 cells per microliter was statistically significant. Conclusion WBC significantly associated with a bacterial infection in sickle cell disease for braille children, along with clinical assessments. This parameter can guide the physician to determine the children at higher risk of bacterial infection. Risk factor of coronary artery aneurysm in Kawasaki disease with a low risk of intravenous immunoglobulin resistant and analysis of post rays. This study has been made to detect risk factor of coronary artery aneurysm development in patients with Kawasaki disease determined to have a low risk for resistance to primary intravenous immunoglobulin treatment based on Kabayoshi score. It is a prospective observational study on stratified treatment with immunoglobulin plus steroid efficacy for Kawasaki disease post-race. Results among 1,632 patients who had complete coronary outcome data, coronary artery aneurysm developed in 90 patients at first month after disease onset. Conclusions Predicted IV immunoglobin responders with coronary artery aneurysm risk factor identified in the study may be candidate for future clinical trial of intensified primary IV immunoglobin treatment with bredenzolone, cyclosporin, or infleximab. Quality of life of children born with congenital heart defect. This study has been made to identify a subgroup with congenital heart defect at risk of health-related quality of life impairment at 8 years of age according to their medical and surgical management. It is a prospective population-based cohort study. 589 patients with congenital heart defect were subdivided according to their medical and surgical management. 1. Congenital heart defect followed up in outpatient clinic. 2. Complete repair before 3 years. 3. Complete repair after 3 years. 4. Palliative repair. 5. Congenital heart defect with spontaneous resolution. Conclusion Quality of life of children with congenital heart defect who experience in hospital intervention is reduced at 8 years of age. The age of the last cardiac intervention may influence quality of life at 8 years of age. Evaluation of BMT162B2 COVID-19 vaccine in children 5 to 11 years of age. Randomized trial conducted to investigate the safety, immunogenicity, and efficacy of the two doses of the BMT162B2 vaccine administered 21 days apart in children 6 months to 11 years age. In the 5 to 11 years old, as in the other age group, the BMT162B2 vaccine had a favorable safety profile. No vaccine-related serious adverse events were noted. Thus. A COVID-19 vaccination regimen consisting of two 10-microgram doses of BNT162B2 administered 21 days apart was found to be safe, immunogenic, and efficacious in children 5 to 11 years of age. Losing sleep by staying up late leads adolescents to consume more carbohydrates and higher glycemic load. This study examined how short sleep impacts dietary consumption in adolescents by testing whether experimentally shortening sleep influenced the amount, macronutrient content, food type, and timing of food consumed. 
In short sleep, adolescent ate more grams of carbohydrates and added sugar, food higher in glycemic load and serving of sweet drinks, and ate fewer serving of fruit, vegetable compared to healthy sleep. And this suggests that adolescents who have insufficient sleep exhibit dietary patterns that may increase the risk of, for negative weight and cardiometabolic outcomes. The association between screen time exposure and autism spectrum disorder likes symptoms in children. A cross-sectional study was conducted to investigate the relationship between a social skill development and screen type by using a validated Arabic version of the social communication questionnaire. The sample in this study consisted of 308 children from 4 to 6 years of age. This study highlighted a significant association between the daily hours spent on the device and having a social communication questionnaire score above 15, which suggests a deficit in social skill development and having autism spectrum disorder-like symptoms. Lower maternal chronic physiological stress and better child behavior at 18 months, follow-up of cluster randomized trial of NICU family integrated care. A randomized controlled trial comparing family integrated care and standard care of children born less than 33 weeks of gestation. The primary outcome at 18 months were maternal stress hormone, cortisol, HCC, dihydroepiandosterone, a SAID from hair sample. Secondary outcome included the maternal report of parenting stress, child behavior, internalizing, externalizing, dysregulation and observer-rated caregiving behavior. Results showed family-integrated care has a long-term beneficial effect for mother and child, attenuating maternal chronic physiological stress and improving child behavior in toddlerhood. Case report, a seven-month-old with a tongue lesion. A seven-month-old girl with a complex past medical history including chromosomal 1Q21 duplication and gain-of-band 19P13, obstructive sleep apnea, gastroesophageal reflex disease, dysphagia, seizure, and nasogastric tube dependence persistent with sublingual ulcer with white discharge. The mother noted it had been present and worsening over at least the last week. She also reported that the patient has been tongue-thrusting recently. The review system was only notable for some increased drooling. The patient had normal vital signs, was well hydrated, and well appearing. The examination was notable for sublingual ulcerated lesion. Bleeding was noted when the lesion is scraped. Laboratory tests were notable for white blood cell count of 17.9 thousand cells per microliter. C-reactive protein was 5.6 mg per deciliter and erythrocyte sedimentation rate 36 mm per hour. Case report, an uncommon pediatric rash, Langerhans cells, histocytosis. A 5-month-old girl presented with a 4-month history of rash, her birth growth and family history were unremarkable. Physical examination showed disseminated pinkish papulovascular with umbilical surface or hemorrhagic crust on the trunk. Yellow crusted or scaly erythema on the ears and scalp and moist erythema on the axilla and inguinal fold. The differential diagnosis included molluscum, 
varicella, seborrheic eczema, and enterotrigo. There was no lymphadenopathy or hepatosplenomegaly. Skin biopsy revealed the infiltration of mononuclear cell that immunohistochemically stained positive for CD1A and CD207, Langer, into the lesion. She had been followed with a diagnosis of skin-limited Langerhansel histocytosis. However, a Langerhansel histocytosis lesion developed in the pituitary three years after the first visit. Thank you everyone for listening.